What's up, heroes? Welcome to the Producer Life Podcast, Episode 78. Today we're joined by Keith Piazza, who's worked in music licensing at Universal Music Group for the last five years. Keith has worked with some of the biggest artists in the industry, helping them negotiate fees to license their music for TV, movies, and video games. In this episode, Keith offers networking tips for landing your dream job, talks about what it's like working for a major record label, and discusses trends in music licensing. But first, cue the intro music. Right, Keith, welcome to the Producer Life Podcast. Thank you for having me. I am excited about this. You're our first uh, speaker from Universal Music Group, and I'm looking forward to getting sort of that big industry perspective. I'm excited to be here, and uh, hopefully I can help share with you and your listeners uh, some insight of what it's like working for one of the major music companies. So take us back in history a little bit. How did you get to where you are today? And All right, so... Basically, I mean, I'm I'm a musician first. Um, I started playing trumpet and drums back in fifth grade and sixth grade. And as I got older, I started to, you know, want to be a professional musician like everybody else, but knew that I really didn't have the chops for it. So I decided to go down the music business route. Um, and the two things I love are music and TV and film. So I just felt that that was the perfect way to join two of my passions together. And so I went to school for music business. Um, and then upon graduating, well, as part of my graduation requirements, I did an internship, um, which got me into music clearance for TV and film. Um, and I started out with that and I was working on the opposite side of where I'm at now, um, working for a company where we represented this one of the studios and would have to go to people like me and other people at the majors um either the publishers or the labels and get get permission to use the music and and negotiate deals and so i did that for about six months um and then i went on to work at cobalt music publishing which is a, a big indie publisher um and that was more of a assisting type role internship um and once I concluded that, after about nine, ten months, I got my job over at Universal Music Publishing Group, um, and I've been here for the last five years now. And uh, so that's kind of what got me the the little process of how I got to where I'm at today. But it's just it's been a, it's been a long journey, and you know, it's it's been good. It's been good. I I have no complaints whatsoever. That's awesome. It, it it almost sounds like your your career has sort of taken this textbook trajectory from formal education and and interest in music to multiple different internships, a little bit of diverse job experience, and then uh, on to Universal. It, I, I can almost hear a high school guidance counselor going, "All right, do this next. Do this next." I I mean that, that that's so true, and it's like you know I haven't actually thought of it thought about it that way. Like, you know, I've always been told that, you know, um, when working in the music industry, it's, it's all about who, you know, not what, you know, and, you know, the, the relationships that I've built during my internships and other networking has gotten me to where I am. 
because I worked with the people that I work with today that I'm colleagues with now. Um, I worked with them when I was doing my internship. So yeah, I, I followed that go to school, get your degree, make the connections, do the, do the grunt work for the little pay. And then, you know, and it pays off. And, and I, I was really, really excited when I, when I had the opportunity to come work at Universal, it was it was one that was at the top of my list from from the time I was in college, and and it's all worked out. So it's it's great. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so you talked about the importance of networking there, and we've we've talked in past with guests about that. But what what would you say you did differently? I'm sure you had a lot of peers that would have also loved to have worked for Universal Music Group. What did you do that was maybe unique to distinguish yourself when you were networking in, during the internships, et cetera? So the, the thing that helped me the most was when I was doing my, my degree, um, the head of our music department, or our music industry studies department, he, he was actually roommates with the guy that I interned for first, um, this guy named Matt Lilly. Um, and so when I had approached the head of our department, basically told him like, Hey, this is what I want to do with my career. Um, he's like, I've got the perfect person for you to do your internship with. I used to be his roommate, like he, he'll, he'll guide you the right ways. And so doing that internship was basically what opened up all the doors because it allowed me to work with different people at the various labels and publishers on a daily basis so that I could build those, those connections and friendships, whatever, whatever you want to call it basically. But that, that was what I did. Um, and I actually have several colleagues who interned at the same place as I did, and they now work for, you know, Warner and, and Concord and Round Hill, and, and they work for other various big um, publishers and labels. So for me, the, the starting internship was really what helped me get to where I was. So for anybody who would be trying to do what I'm doing, I would recommend that, you know, finding, trying to find that one internship um, to really like work for somebody who's connected and has worked with everybody in the industry or is known throughout the industry, because that will definitely, you know, help you make friends with other people and gain knowledge in areas that you don't really have much in and, and help excel what you want to do. Okay. So there, you certainly put yourself in a good place by going to a school for music. Um, you, you know, put your, yourself in a good location where good things could happen. Then there was this element of maybe a little bit of luck that your, your professor happened to be, uh, roommates with, uh, this gentleman. Um, but then obviously you did a great job fostering those relationships and maintaining those. Cause you commented that, uh, you still interact with a lot of those people today. What, any particular tips for people for networking in terms of building and maintaining relationships in the music industry? I mean, are you sending out birthday cards or? For me, it's like what, you know, I, I naturally gravitate towards certain people. Um, and, you know, obviously there's always going to be people that, you know, you just, you just don't mesh well with. It's just, you don't click. And I've found that, you know, when I, really gravitate towards somebody and it's, there's a clear connection there. I just, I try to keep in touch either, you know, shoot them emails here and there, give them a call, shoot them a text, just anything okay. 
that you know just shows that you're you're not just somebody who's trying to get your foot in the door but you're you're actually somebody who who cares and creating a real relationship opposed to a surface level one to just yeah get your foot in the door i i think makes a huge difference um so yeah okay terrific um if we could let's let's move forward a little bit. And obviously you are in the sync licensing business. Can you uh, give my listeners a, a general sense of what sync licensing is? Some of them, some of them may not be familiar with the term. What are we talking about here? All right. So, so what I specifically do is music clearance. Um, but in the, in the overall sync licensing world, basically, if somebody wants to use music within a production, be it TV, film, advertising, um, you need to get permission from the people who own that music, be it the record label, the publisher who represents the songwriters, or the artists or songwriters themselves. And so when you set up that agreement and negotiate a deal, basically you're creating a sync license um, is as general as it can be. Um, so yeah, so my overall role would be representing the songwriters and working on their behalf to help secure a license with a TV studio or a film studio so that the music, our songwriters music can be used within that production. Okay. So are the terms music licensing and music clearance, is that sort of one and the same? They, they all, I feel like they all are in the same general um, bubble. Um, You know, there's, there's people on my team that specifically draft agreements um, and they are the people that handle the physical licensing Um, clearance wise. I, you know, I negotiate points and deals um, or deal points um, and fees and terms and things like that but I don't personally draft the licenses. So the music clearance would be, I'm essentially just, I'm getting the permission from our rights holders um, or our clients on behalf, on their behalf for, for the TV and film studios. Okay. Can you kind of walk us through the workflow from somebody finishing up their master copy, publishing it to it getting cleared and in some major TV show, how, what are the steps and the wickets that that has to hit and how does that typically progress? So, so typically, so the people that I work with on a daily basis are people over at, at the studios and they, they approach me and they say, Hey, you know, we really want to use this song in our film or in our TV show. And, you know, we, we talk about all the points and all the, you know, all the terms that they might need and the specific scene descriptions and things like that. Um, and then I go to our songwriters because um, working on the publishing side of things, we represent the songwriters. Um, so it might not necessarily be the person who sings the song, um, but the person, you know, behind the door that that wrote the song for them, either a pop star or, you know, hip hop or something like that. Um, So when somebody wants their, their music to be used in a TV show, you know, ideally you need to make a connection with somebody who like a music supervisor, somebody who has the ability and connections with the studio to be like, Hey, we want 
we want to use this song in the show. It's from a, you know, an artist that I like, um, this would be great. And then, you know, you work with the director and, and whoever else in production needs to sign off to, to get it to that next spot. Typically when the studio comes to us, it's for music that we, that we would already have, you know, be it a, it's something that was just released last week or, you know, a, a back catalog song, not necessarily they're coming to us to create something specific for them. Typically a, the film studio or the, the music supervisor who's working on the film, if they want something custom made, they'll either have the composer do it or that they'll seek out an artist that they might want to do it. But generally the stuff that I deal with is just pre-existing music um, that they, that they want to license and use in their production. Got it. And so you're, you're a big role. You're, you're a negotiator. You, you are negotiating the fees and, and how much it's going to cost the um, studio to use that piece of content, depending on the length and what are some of the other, am I right in describing your job there? Is that that's that's spot on. Yeah, I'm I'm the okay. middle I'm the middleman between the studio and and the musician. Okay, but I imagine the musicians love you because when you've done a good job, they get paid more. Is that is that fair? Exactly. Yeah, we we represent them, so we you know their best interests are always at at the top of the list for us. So you know, be it trying to get a a better fee that's more fair for the use or you know saying, Hey, you know, you guys want to use this song, but they have this new song coming out that we also feel would be a good fit. Maybe you guys want to take a look at this one. So yeah, we, we represent our songwriters a hundred percent and try to get the best deal possible for them every time. Okay. Um, can you, what are some of the factors that you look at in when you are negotiating with a studio for the fee for a particular song? So it first depends on the caliber of the production and the caliber of the song. So say we're looking at a, a big, a big, you know, TV show. Um, Just, you can just name one, anyone that you you'd see on primetime TV. The first thing we look at is who the artist is or who the, or what the song is. If it's a big songwriter or a big, big song itself, that typically will, you know, increase, increase the fee, but we'll look at the scene description, how long they want to use it for, if it's for, you know, a a big scene, or if it's just background music, if it's an end title or a theme song. And once we have all the information about the specific, specific use, then depending on what the caliber of the song is or the artist that kind of gives us a general idea of where we would price that out. Um, For TV, you know, fee ranges can be, you know, starting at around a thousand dollars. And I've, I've seen them go up to, you know, $80,000, a hundred thousand dollars even. Wow. Okay. And is that typically a one-off or is there back-end royalties frequently associated with that? So for for TV shows and film and pretty much every other media, with the exception of like video games, it's typically an upfront fee um, that's collected for the publishing um, 
and they also have to pay the record label for the master recording rights. Um, and then it, it's just one and done. Okay. And how do video games differ? So video games, um, they, it, it depends on the game itself. If it's a music driven game, um, we typically operate on a advance plus a royalty model. Um, so that would mean that they, you know, say they give us a thousand dollars up front for the song and then for 15% of the, the revenue that's generated in that game, then that 15% is spread amongst all the songs. So there's an ongoing royalty um, or a per unit rate that the production or the video game producer would have to pay to the songwriters or the, or the record label. Interesting. Why do you think the fee models differ between video games and movies? I think it's just, it's the way that it's, it's more interactive. Um, and with a film, you know, music support can support a storyline, but they're not the people don't go to a movie or watch a TV show because only because of the music whereas music driven video games like you know say a guitar hero or a rock band like that if if music wasn't there they a product would not be there and an experience wouldn't be there so that the ongoing necessity to have music i drives that necessity to have an ongoing royalty okay that that makes a lot of sense to what degree are the artists involved in that sort of back and forth negotiation with the studios? So I, I deal directly with them separately. Um, I will either, you know, talk to a manager, the artist directly, um, the lawyer that represents them. And usually, you know, it's the processes I go to them and present them with the deal. And, you know, we can, we can chat about, different points and, and what we feel is fair, or if there's another song that they want them to use instead. Um, but from my experience, the interaction between the artist and the studio directly isn't, isn't there on a day-to-day basis unless, um, the, say the studio is hiring an artist to create a song specifically for a film. Okay. So it, it, it is, you are very much the middleman. You are the Ex- negotiator, but after you craft a deal, then you go back and to the artist or the songwriter and say, what do you think about this? Exactly. I say, Hey, this is, this is where we think this should be. Um, this is what they want to use it for. Basically tell me yes or no. If, uh, if you have questions we're we're here to answer. Um, and then what I'll do is once I have permission, I'll go back to the TV and or film studio and be like, Hey, this is what we can approve it at. Here's all the terms and details. Um, and then, you know, if say we tell them it's going to be $10,000, but they wanted it $5,000, then we begin our, we, we go with our negotiations or begin our negotiations and then, and go from there. I'm, I'm picturing TV negotiations where there's a lot of theatrics involved. Um, I, I'm assuming that in, in a more corporate environment, that's not the case. But what what does that negotiation look like? I mean, most most of the time it's them, you know, once once we quote a specific fee for a use, they come back and will sometimes tell us, hey, you know, our budget can't afford this. Or what if we make the, the use shorter or if we 
put it in this scene instead of this scene. Um, it's it's not it's not like some crazy crazy thing that yeah that you would see in 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 movies or on TV shows. It's 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 pretty straightforward. And you know the people that I work with, I've been working with them for four or five years. So a lot of the time, I'll just hop on the phone with them and be like, hey, you know, we we really need this to be up here. We know that you need it here, but let's just let's find the middle ground. And it's okay. a lot of the time it's just a friendly conversation because, because I'm, I deal with these people daily, multiple times a day. And, um, you gotta, you gotta keep good relationships. Do you find you do most of your negotiating on the phone or do you do like, do you kick off the negotiations initially over an email or what's stylistically, how do you negotiate fees? I'd say about 90% of what I do is through email. Um, but there are those times where, you know, when things aren't straightforward and it's easier to just to hop on a call um, and and talk it out. Or, you know, if, if there might be something that shouldn't be put in writing, um, be it like <laughs> a, a, something confidential about a production or something like that, sometimes it's easier just to get on the phone and, and talk about it so that I can get on the phone with our client and be like, hey, not going to email you this, but this is, this is what's going on. Yeah. Do you, over the last year during the pandemic, did you wind up doing a lot of these negotiations over video conferences or was, did you stick to the phone or do you do a lot of web conferences? I do zoom calls, but usually it's not on a deal to deal basis. Usually when I do like a zoom conference or, you know, a zoom call, um, it's when we're discussing a, say a new video game is going to be coming out in, in the next year or so. And, and we discuss the different aspects of it to just kind of get a general idea of what, what they're looking at prior to taking the next step. So my, my zoom calls, um, my zoom fatigue comes from those types of inter <laughs> interactions, but, but yeah, sit you know from from working in the office to now working from home um till who knows when um it's it's pretty much it hasn't changed much um surprisingly um i i don't get to see my my coworkers in person anymore which is kind of a bummer hmm. but uh soon soon enough yeah so you, you guys are still uh, most of uh, I, I don't know if you can characterize most of your department all your department uh, are still virtual yeah, as as far as I know, um, pretty much every single person in our office. Um, I'm I'm sure there's exceptions there that I I'm not aware of, but everybody in my department, yeah, we're currently currently still working from home, and and you know I I believe that's kind of how it is with most of the the music companies right now, just for for the foreseeable future. But I with things getting better, I I could see us being back in the office at least, you know, one or two days a week, um, towards the end of this year, which will be nice. Okay. Aside from the zoom fatigue, how has it worked for you? I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> um, it's, it, it makes the work-life balance, um, a lot, a lot easier, um, as well as productivity levels. I, you, you don't have the distractions of being in an office and around other people, so, mm -hmm. you know, my, my wife goes to work every day, um, or she, 
she does now. She has to go back into the into her work. And so I'm, you know, I wake up, I eat my breakfast and I start working and then I, you know, I put in my time and I don't I don't have those distractions like an, you know, a coworker popping into your office or you popping into somebody else's office. So I love it. Like I said, I do miss seeing my coworkers because I consider them my friends. Um mm-hmm. and but the the freedom of working from home has been quite nice. Do you think, and and have have there been any rumblings or or things that you are hearing in the music industry? Obviously, for performers, you know, the, the, once the pandemic is under control, everybody wants to get back out on stage. That's yep. that's a given. But from from sort of the industry perspective, do you see a lot of the industry changing to a more hybrid? work schedule or do you are are you already getting pressure of well as soon as everybody can be back in the office you know there's so much infrastructure here we've paid for we need everybody to fill up these offices what's sort of where do you think universal is headed i i could see a hybrid approach being taken um honestly like you know the the discussions that are are had at universal like with the the hr department and stuff like that i'm not i'm not privy to those but i you know, from, from people I've talked to and people I've talked to at other companies, it's, it sounds like a, a hybrid approach is the way things are heading. And, you know, I, I think that's going to be the case outside the music industry as well. Um, I think for people, people's, uh, personal being and, and work-life balance, it's, it really makes a big difference. And I, you know, I, I see it go in that direction and, and I sure hope it does. Yeah. I, I've enjoyed, I can't say I've enjoyed the pandemic, but working from home has been, has been nice. You know, obviously as a producer, I spent a lot of time sitting at the computer anyway, mm-hmm. so it didn't change a lot from that perspective. But um, it, it, I have heard the criticism that, you know, it on the one hand, it's nice for work-life balance. You know, you don't have a commute, you get back a lot of time there. But on the flip side, there are some circumstances where bosses feel very comfortable, you know, bringing you into a Microsoft Teams meeting or a Zoom call at seven o'clock at night because, well, you're still at the quote unquote office. Um, You didn't see any of that. It's, you felt like you've had a better balance. Yeah. uh, Fortunately, um, the department that I, and, and I mean, the company that I work for is, is really great about that work-life balance. Um, so I haven't had any cases where I've been roped into a meeting. Yeah. Uh, what would be considered, you know, the end of the day or, or after <laughs> hours, you know, I, I have scheduled some, some early meetings and some late meetings, but that's usually because of time zone differences, um, which would happen for me if I was in the office anyways. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been good. Um, and I, and I think everybody in, in my department would agree with me that it's, it's, it's nice to not have to commute to work. Yeah. It, it sounds like Universal has a remarkable sort of supportive corporate culture. What, what is it like working for a major label like Universal where you've got, you know, you're absolutely immersed in the, in the music and entertainment business. How is that different than maybe, well, I guess all of your experience has been with the music industry. So I don't know if you can draw a comparison there, but what is it like working for a company where everything is about the music and the art? I mean, I, I absolutely love it. Um, if, if I didn't, I, I 
probably wouldn't be here. I'd be off somewhere <laughs> swimming in the ocean. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been great. Our, at least the working for universal I've, you know, if you have ever have an issue, either work related or personal related, I, there's always a door that's open that I can walk through and, you know, and sort, sort something out. Um, everybody, on my team is wonderful, super supportive. Everybody wants to see everybody succeed. Um, okay. And so I've definitely felt that while being here, you know, people are pushing everybody like, Hey, let's, you know, we want to see you at the next level. You know, every, everybody helps each other out and going into big corporate is, or whatever you want to call it, you know, there's, always going to be drop drawbacks but i've been fortunate to not experience what you would see characterized on tv or you know or or something like that or you know the the show or the movie office space you know i've i haven't experienced that big corporate um bs that uh that a lot of people would talk about that's that's terrific well i'm glad your your dream job has remained your dream job uh what would you say is the most memorable experience you've had at universal? Hmm. I mean, I, I'd say probably the most memorable stuff that we've done is when, when artists have come into our office and, you know, we'll just be hanging out. And then all of a sudden, you know, some, some big name person will come in and you, you hear the piano playing from from the from the community room area and you walk over there and it's it's somebody that you've listened to your whole life just sitting down and jamming on the piano for a couple minutes before they go into a meeting um (laughs) just just random things like that meeting meeting people that or talking on the phone or you know having interactions with people that you you never thought you would or you know it's that you've you've listened to their music but then you know your whole life and then one day they're calling you to talk to you about this the show that they're interested in or you know or this project that they want to see their music in and i wouldn't say there's a specific a specific thing that i could pinpoint but it's just all those little little things combined together is what's made it great yeah getting to interact with all of those stars that's that's got to be um that's got to be a great experience and particularly in your position where they're happy to talk with you because you're getting them money you know um uh so that that sounds sounds amazing um do you do you see any broad industry trends in terms of licensing or um are, are, are there any big demographic shifts that you can site things that a producer would be interested in knowing about i mean i've from from what i've noticed over the last like you know f- f- five or five or six years is with the with what people are currently licensing yeah it it does come in in waves like you know there there was a time where everybody was looking for you know those moody dark covers of big huge popular songs from the seventies and eighties, something that, you know, was a happy go lucky song and then turned into something, you know, that might be in a horror film. Um, (laughs) So I noticed trends like that. Um, 
I mean, honestly, that was probably the, like the one that, you know, was around and then it went away and then it came back. So that I, I see, I see that one a lot, that, that trend you'll, you'll, I mean, just watching TV show trailers and film trailers, you'll, you'll pick up on it. Um, but, uh, I, I, you know, nowadays the thing that I've noticed most is people exploring outside of top 40, um, even more than they already have in the past. Um, from my personal experience watching TV shows like and different films, the amount of music that's coming from overseas, um, you know, be it a French artist or a German artist or, you know, some some music coming out of Africa or, you know, South America, it's it's growing. And I think that that's going to be I think that's kind of where things are going to go more, just exploration into different sounds of the world opposed to just sticking to cookie cutter top 40. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and, you know, as a, as a, as a fan of music, like world music, I, I, I think that's awesome. And there's so many great musicians out there and smaller, smaller musicians or producers that, that don't get the recognition that they should and I think the access now to all all these different types of music, you're going to see it popping up more in TV and film because I can go listen to somebody who made you know a song in their in their basement who lives you know twenty thousand miles away from me, mm-hmm. whereas twenty years ago that was it was a lot more difficult. Yeah, certainly the barrier to entry as as a musician has gone way way down, which you know, probably partly explains why Spotify gets 30 or 40,000 submissions a day for uh, new music. It's, you know, it's, it's both wonderful that it is easy to get into, but it's also sort of daunting because there's so much music out there. It's, it's hard to get noticed as an artist. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I think as it became easier for people to create music at home and not have to spend tens of thousands of dollars on studio time or, or equipment, but, you know, simple, something as simple as buying, buying a thousand dollar laptop and being able to create something that sounds like it was recorded in a, in a studio. Um, it's, I feel like it's almost, yeah, oversaturated the market and making it more difficult for new artists to be recognized. Um, but that being said, I, I also think it helps push the creativity levels of what musicians are comfortable with doing um, and pushing them outside of their comfort zones to explore new sounds and different styles and mashing of genres. And I mean, it's, you can hear something nowadays that you never ever thought that you would hear Samba music and techno mixed together. (laughs) And, and you, and you can find it now and it's, it's, it's great. So it's a lot more difficult, but I feel like the quality of stuff yeah. that's coming out is is going up. I recently um, <clears throat> recently stumbled across a genre, bardcore. Um, I, I don't know if it's a thing outside of YouTube, but there's several different groups out there that do sort of medieval cover versions of pop songs, um, which is just very strange <laughs> and wonderful to listen to at the same time. So. I've, I've never heard of that, but I'm definitely going to be looking that up as soon as we get off this, this call. (laughs) Um, 
What do you have any good stories of uh, artists that you have met and interactions with them, or are you allowed to discuss that? I I would love to discuss it, but unfortunately, I'm I I don't want to get into details um, just because okay. it's it's not I don't I don't feel comfortable with that unfortunately. But I will say that I've I've met and talked with musicians that have had, you know, number one billboard songs for, for weeks on end and met even actors and, and comedians and people that I've worked with on different projects that have been great. And, but I, unfortunately, I, I'm, I'm not, a, uh, I can't share any, any, anything more than that. Okay. That's uh, totally fair. Now you, you did say something interesting there. You said you've worked with actors and comedians. I thought, I thought your focus or your exclusive job was working for the songwriters. What do actors and comedians, how, how do you interact with them and what's your role there? So that would be more, not necessarily working with them on pr- like on their, their acting or their comedy shows, but um, there's been several cases where I've had popular people come to us and say like, Hey, we're, we're working on this passion project, or I'm trying to put a documentary together about this or about my career. And so I've ended up being lucky enough to work with some of these people directly um, because they, instead of hiring somebody to do the music supervision and, and get the, the music rights for them, they, they want to do it themselves. And so I've, I've had conversations and, met several several comedians and actors that that just have these passion projects and just kind of need need some guidance on the on the music licensing world so that they can they can get you know their their favorite song from when they were growing up in in their their little indie film or something like that that's awesome that's awesome okay well pay paying it forward if uh so if any of my listeners have um, follow-on questions or things that we didn't cover in the podcast, is is there a way that they can reach out to you? Is there something – what's the best way to find you? Um, I'm I'm on Facebook, but I, I, don't, I don't really use it. Um, it's a little too toxic for me these days. Um, <laughs> it, I, when it, I, have, I have LinkedIn. Um, it's – I believe it's just Keith Piazza. Um, people okay. can – feel free to shoot me a message there. Um, I don't check it regularly, but, or, you know, maybe once, once every week or two. Um, and then, then Instagram as well. Um, Keith.piazza um, is my, my Instagram profile. And if people want to shoot me a message and maybe ask me a question or two, like I'm, I'm happy to, happy to spread, spread the knowledge. Okay. Well, fantastic. Well, I really appreciate your time tonight and, and it's been a really interesting interview and thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here and, and, you know, being my, my, the first podcast I've done, it's, it's, it was fun. Well, well, congratulations. I'm, I'm glad, glad I could be your first. (laughs) Cool. Hey, thank you so much for being here with me today. I'd love to feature some of your reviews on the podcast, so please take a moment and leave a rating and review wherever you're listening. Also, this Friday, July 9th, I'm dropping a very special mix on YouTube and Mixcloud. This is my first set that features exclusively my remixes, edits, and original music. 
I'm really excited to share this with you guys, so make sure you subscribe over at youtube.com slash house ninja music or mixcloud.com slash house ninja music. Until next time, this is the House Ninja reminding you to be somebody's hero today. <laughs> <laughs>